Uh, this is Alid, everyone. Let's say hello to Alid. Hello. Don't voice yourself, sorry. Uh, that's fine. We're all right. We're all ready. Uh, Father, thank you. Thank you for, for friends. Thank you for uh, giving each of us different insights and understandings about you. And uh, as Alid speaks to us now, we, we want to continue hearing from you. So bless him, bless Catherine, bless their family this morning. Amen. I haven't even started and they're crying. It's a typical response. So, uh, morning all. Uh, we've not met before. Um, I'm sorry about that, but it's been a while since... Oh, hello. That's not going to work. Is there any... Um, this happens regularly. Bible shame. Um... But not being able to come and see you guys face to face for, oh, three years. Feels like two or three years, isn't it? At least that. So anyway, it's great to be back. And it's great to see so many friends and Sim. And uh, just, just good to be here. <laughs> Yo, he's my real friend, so that's good. And bless you. Thanks for having me, Graham. I appreciate it. Um, I want to just introduce my, my wife, Catherine. This is good. Um, we were married 13 months ago in a, uh, it was about as opposite from yesterday as you can imagine. There were six of us in a front room in our house. And uh, Cheryl just said to Catherine, hey, I don't know, we met last week briefly, but I came to your wedding we'd never met before. And because it was on Zoom, so um, lots of people came to the wedding and it was, it was just great fun. So uh, we're very happily married, and I, 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 again, I just want to restate just what a joy it's been and what a blessing you guys were to me and Helen and my family during the period of her serious sickness and then eventual death. Just thank you for that. I'll never forget that, ever. So that you have a special place in my heart for, for well, for maybe another year. <laughs> Not for a forever. Sorry about that. Okay, if you've got Bibles, would you turn to Galatians chapter 5, um, and we've got to zip through a few things, and then give you some questions to talk about. And is there a clicker, or are you doing that, Alison? Are you doing the clicking? Oh, very good. We're going to, it's like a team today. You're going to have to go quick. <laughs> okay, so um, Galatians chapter 5, Bible, um, and verse 13 Please, I'm just going to read a big chunk of stuff out here. Um, sorry, 16. It says, so, <laughs> almost over there is almost good enough, mate, front row. Um, so I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Imagine saying that to the world around you. You can't do what you want. Well, talk about something countercultural. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh or sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, 
envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Sounds like a Saturday night in Liverpool. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will never inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. That's uh, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let's be, not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. What a passage. Did you get that bit? That if you walk by the Spirit, verse 16, you will not commit the deeds of the flesh. What a promise. Have you ever wanted to do something or prove something and try too hard? You can just keep moving on there, Alison. Trying too hard, keep going. Um, it's difficult when you're trying too hard or when you're trying to prove something. I was taught to swim by my dad, and I remember it being a life or death experience. I was trying to get from kind of, you know, kind of get the arms going, kind of get moving and all that kind of thing. And I was beginning to sink, and I remember my dad saying to me, Alad, stand up, you're in the shallow end. I'm going to think, all right, Dad. But it felt serious, and I was trying very hard. And the more I tried, the worse it got, and the more I began to sink and plummet. And eventually, of course, I got to it. Human beings have always faced the challenge of trying to find God. Their efforts, it's, they try very hard through religious observance or fasting or going to temple in some parts of our country and around the world, disciplining their body in all kinds of ways. In contrast to every religion, though, on the face of the earth, Christianity says something different. If you imagine for a minute, just go with me. I don't know if this is going to cause feedback or pain. But Christianity is different. The world's religions say you've got to try harder. You've got to, get, you've got to reach to God. And you've got to climb steps. You're going to climb steps to get your kids in a minute. And you've got to climb these steps. And the closer you get, the better you are. But you've got to try hard to get God... And then maybe, just finally, you'll get there, unless you come back as a frog or some other type of faith response or religious response. Christianity is the only faith that says, God comes down to you. He comes down from where He is. You don't have to try hard. He comes to you. He comes down from His throne, and He finds you and he loves you, and he's done the heavy lifting so you can have a relationship with him. So no more trying hard to impress God. No more works of the law. What do you mean works of the law? Well, the works of the law were threefold in, the, in, Gal in Galatians, in the, uh, Galatia. And uh, they were being circumcised. It was keeping the right kind of feast days and uh, eating the right food. And so, you can imagine the consternation for Paul when Paul has said, look, you guys, you were born by the Spirit. You were uh, kind of introduced into a whole new world by the Holy Spirit. Why are you now going back to works of the law? Because the law cannot save you. It cannot change you and it cannot save you. Paul says, you have the Spirit. Just turn to Galatians chapter 3. Oh, yeah, we're good. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, just for a second. And let me, I, I don't know what you would say if you were a church planter or if you're, it was your small group that had started off in the Spirit but was now going back to the law. 
chapter 3, verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Wow. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just um, one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human efforts? Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Can it really be that simple that just by believing what you hear, that that is enough in terms of proof before God that you want to follow him, just by believing. You see, Paul, he kind of appeals to their experienced reality. The God who worked miracles among you, the God who birthed you by his spirit. Do you remember those days? And he says, and now you're going back to external laws and legalism. What are you doing? And Paul's heart is kind of, I think, a, a real challenge to us because the, why am I even talking about this? You go, why are you even here? But no, why are you really talking about this? I think it's because I think our type of churches were born in the Spirit. Our experienced reality was that when we came to meetings, we weren't sure what was going to happen. And sometimes that was good and sometimes that was not so good. But sometimes it was very good and most of the time it was excellent. And because when we came, we came in the Spirit expecting the Holy Spirit's manifestations. And as time goes by, we kind of get used to it. And before you know it, it's always, we're always looking back at what was rather than what is and what could be. And I'm worried as I travel around our country and I go to our different churches in synergy and I'm thinking to myself, Good night. Where's the prophets? Where's the signs and wonders? Where are the gifts of the Spirit operating once more in our midst? You say, well, well, we've matured. Well, I don't like our level of maturity. It seems immature. It seems like we've forgotten what it means to take a gift of faith and a risk into a gathering. We're just turning up and basically we're becoming consumers. You say, well, that's not our church. I know it's not our roots. And so we can live with what was and remember the good old days, or we can go again. And by going again, it means relying on this Holy Spirit to lead us rather than trying too hard. Amen? You say, well, we're not like that. Okay. Maybe we're not. Then I think the overflow... Remember, Sundays are about overflow. It's about what goes on in the rest of the week. It's about what the life is through the week. And then you come to Sunday, and then you express it before God with your brothers and sisters. And we proclaim the goodness of God in the land of the living, and we share testimony, we share story. If this is your injection in the arm, and this is the only thing you're doing, then you're coming kind of empty, staggering into Sunday saying, give me a boost Whereas Sunday is more like a celebration rather than a boost. So the day-to-day -day experience of following God is important. 
You can keep going there, Alison. So, right standing with God. This is a bit of theology for you, but why, why would the Galatians forget who they are? Well, because they were taught badly, taught wrong. Right standing with God equals the work of Jesus and the, equals the experienced reality of the Spirit. Keep going, Alison. Right living with God equals behavior that conforms to the character of God. Keep going. Uh, the law itself can't save you or bring about righteousness. It can't save you or change you. How many diets have you started and finished within a week? Or I'll do it tomorrow. When I, I remember when the law coming into my life in a most graphic way. Where I live, there was a dual carriageway in every single day. People would do about, you know, be going about 60, 65, around a certain bend, and off we went down into the middle of town. One morning, every, it was carnage, because somebody overnight had put up a speed camera and a little sign that just said 50. I remember coming around the corner there, and there was, it was a mess. There were fender benders, there were people on the side, there were uh, uh, crashes, and, and you crawling through. And, from, and I thought, wow, just look what, what it's done. A bit of law has changed people's behavior, but it didn't change the heart. Because about as soon as you got the other side of the camera, everyone just went, Woof. put their sinful right foot down, and off they went. Now, I know you've never done it, ever. But law can only tell you what you're doing wrong. It can't change you from wanting to do wrong. But life in the Spirit produces desire in you because rules themselves don't change anything. As we've discovered, even if you write the rules... It doesn't make a jot of difference, it seems, in Downing Street. So, Torah was meant to lead God's people to obedience. The law was meant to lead God's people to obedience, said Paul's opponents. And so, if Paul eliminates the law as a factor in producing right standing before God and right living with God, what's to stop people doing whatever they want? If there's no external measure... How do you know if people are good or not? That's what he's saying. That's the argument. That's why they said, no, you can have right standing with God through faith and some works, and then we'll all know where we stand. And we all like to know where we stand. Are you a three out of four attender in a month? Maybe you give every other month, or maybe you're a tither since before time began. And there's a little temptation there to say, hmm, Yep, never missed a Sunday. All right. Or, I've been tithing since before time began. Surely, surely that must earn me some level of kind of, you know, right standing with God. And of course, it doesn't. It's not that you shouldn't do that type of thing. It's not that you shouldn't give. It's that thing in your head that says, because I give, God will like me more. Because I attend, God will give me, you know, he'll look after me better. Now, attending and coming on a Sunday, 
full of the Holy Spirit, ready to give, no one's measuring anything except you. But human beings like to compare so much because we like to know where we stand and we measure people accordingly because we love to know where we are in the pecking order. You say, you don't understand. I'm not like that. I know you're not like that, but there's other churches that are. And and it's not saying it's even right. I'm not saying it's right at all. I'm saying it's a lie. I'm saying there's no need for it because we're all the same. And the only thing that you need is, Paul says, it's just, you need just faith on its own. And you have right standing with God. And then you begin to produce fruit. Keep going. Yeah, having begun the Spirit, you're now completed by the Spirit. So the key to living right is walking in the Spirit. Keep going, please. Uh, That's not good. Moving on. Uh, There. But the fruit of the Spirit is that. How hard is it for an apple tree to produce apples? Pears. How hard is it for an apple tree to produce pears? It can't. It's, no matter how hard you try, it, I don't see apple trees straining. They look like they're just like doing it naturally. Christians who are filled with the Spirit and who walk in step with the Spirit produce the fruit of the Spirit without trying. Can that be true? You are a fanatic and you need to get back. Surely we can't do whatever we want. And surely, surely you've got to be able to measure it somehow. Well, this is how I measure it. I can tell if someone's filled with the Spirit because there's fruit everywhere around them. There's a lot of love, a lot of joy, a lot of peace, a lot of gentleness and self-control. And you're going, mm, I'm going to listen to you. You've got something that I haven't got. I need to be, I want to emulate you. I want to grow. So what's walking in the Spirit? Walking in the Spirit, it's not license. You actually can't do whatever you want if you're following God. Because if you follow God, you have the Holy Spirit in you, and some of us know what it means to have that check, as we used to say. That moment of, that doesn't seem right. I'm losing my peace about what I'm about to do. And sin is when you ignore that and do it anyway. Check in the Spirit is God's guidance in daily living. Can God be that interested in my life that He's that interested in those small decisions I make? Yes, He is. And by, if you walk closely with the Holy Spirit, which is your birthright, then He can guide you and lead you through this. So it's not license. It is not, secondly, legalism. Legalistic works of righteousness cannot produce life. When I joined YWAM, I was in YWAM for a year, and uh, I got used to, because it was built into the schedule, that you had an hour's time of devotion with God every morning. And I didn't miss, because there was nowhere to go, because we were in the middle of nowhere in this big manor house. So there we were, praying like crazy. It was great. But then there was a kind of a week where... I couldn't do the normal quiet time thing because I had to do this or I had to go somewhere else and I had to travel or whatever. 
And this is what went on in my mind. My day won't be as good now because I haven't had my time of prayer with God. Maybe God, because I was a young Christian, maybe God won't bless me as much if I've not prayed today. Now, there's something about walking with God where you want to pray and you love Him, but prayer is not confined to such a ritual that if I, only, if I miss my time of prayer in the morning that I've missed God. Because God's available 24-7 for me to talk to and connect with and relate to. And I, I found myself, I'd got into some type of legalistic trap in my head that says, if I don't pray between eight and nine, then I'm going to struggle. It's subtle, this, isn't it? Because you go, well, don't you want to pray between eight and nine? Yes, I do. But do I have to, to gain God's favor? No, I don't. Why? Because I already have it. I'm already love. I'm already right with him. So it's not legalism. The kingdom of God isn't religion. It's an ever-expanding, all-consuming relationship with Jesus. It's as different from religion as a bright angel from a shadowy ghost. That's what you're in. It's that good. Can't you kidding me? You know, it is. So what walking in the Spirit is, it's liberty and it's empowerment. Because you have the Spirit, you have the freedom and power to become the person Jesus called you to be. And secondly, it's empowerment because God wants to give you the fullness of His Spirit. Just go to the next one. Walking in the Spirit, don't just sit. God doesn't do it all, we participate. Secondly, walk, don't run. A Spirit-filled life is not an endless round of exhausting activities to meet some man-made targets all by ourselves. Thinking we'll become more spiritual by more effort is a typical error. And I think Satan makes us busy if he fails to tempt us to immorality. Busyness isn't a badge of honor. I'm a busy leader. I'm a busy person. Busyness is a distraction. Walking in the Spirit, becoming an apple tree of a Christian, that's where the peace lies. So walk, don't run, and walk, don't crawl. What does that mean? It means that don't see worship as a driven act to try to get God's attention because He already knows you, loves you, cares for you, and sees every hair on the top of your head. He knows when you sit and when you stand, and He loves you. Can it be true? Can it be that good? Yes, it can. Yeah. Amen. So, don't crawl. Look, we're going to bring it to a conclusion. Could you just go to the next one? Here's some questions for us to consider. Um, do you tend to lean in life more towards liberty or license? Are you living in freedom, in other words? Secondly, are you more of a sitter waiting for God to do it all? Are you more of a runner? I've got to work hard and run hard to get God's favor. Or are you a crawler? I don't deserve anything. And I will subjugate myself so that God might just, you know, I'll think less of myself than even God thinks of me. 
And what does freedom in the Spirit look like for you this week? I have to tell you that in my life, there have been times when I've been more of a runner than anything else as a Christian. I thought, I've got to press on. I've got to really make it work. But quite a few years ago now, quite a long time ago, in truth, it's like God spoke to me and showed me that it didn't really matter how much work I put in. He loved me anyway. This is really good news for people who don't know where to turn. It's really good news for Christians who've lost their first love. It's really good news for people like us who've been in this for quite a long time. Why? Because he's not done with us yet. It's not over. He's not done with you yet. And for you who are younger in the faith or in years, man, you've got an adventure ahead of you. You go, I haven't got time for adventure. I've got to get the kids to school. Now, well, listen, even in going to the school or even coming back from school or whatever you're doing, getting up in the middle of the night and feeding babies, dot. The truth is that God is present and able to minister. We just need to relax into the life of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, Graham, over to you, my friend. Thanks, everybody. Okay. Thank you, Alan.